Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The scripture says, today I want to talk about it's time to take a rest. It's time to take a rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the testimonies that we've heard, Lord, both testimonies of a a corporate body overcoming tragedy and testimonies of how you can take an individual that's experienced hardship and difficult times and or touch their life and turn it around. And I know many of us can can attest to that fact, and that can resonate on the inside of us, just those words that were sung and the words that were spoken. God, we can all relate, Lord, because you've all brought us from trials and tribulations in this life and difficult times and rocky times. And But, God, you've been faithful to us, and for that we thank you and we praise you for it. Lord, we know you're a good God. God, we thank you for your goodness and Lord, I just pray that you would Lord, help us today to experience the rest that you provide that can only come from you. Lord, may the invitation of Jesus many, many years ago to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May that be the invitation today that we enter into this morning, that our hearts, our minds, and our bodies Lord, would enter into the peace and the rest that only you can give. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to talk today about the issue of the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. We talked about creation uh, last week. We talked about the process of creation, uh, how God created everything. Uh, And then on the seventh day, the scripture says he had finished his work and then he rested. So I want to talk about this issue of rest and Sabbath. And obviously, uh, as we continue talking, we'll uh, get into some some very interesting things. First of all, I just want to take a, a kind of an overview of what the Sabbath means in, in the Old Testament. What does the Sabbath mean in the Old Testament? Well, first of all, we see, first, number one, that God set apart the seventh day as a day of rest after creation, as we just read. Uh, six days he, he, he created, and the seventh day he rested and blessed the seventh day. Then when we come into the book of Exodus, we find in the law of Moses uh, the commandment to keep the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, which was one of the Ten Commandments, which was one of the 617 commandments of the Mosaic law. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, the scripture says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall uh, labor uh, and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Neither you, your son, your daughter, the male or female servant, neither your animals, nor any foreigner residing in towns. For in six days the Lord made heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that's the commandment that that Moses brought to the children of Israel, that they were to do all of their work in six days, and on the seventh day was a day of rest for them, their family, their animals, uh, any, any foreigner that was traveling through town. It was a day that they could rest. And God gave uh, the Sabbath day to them, and we're going to talk about this a little later. He gave the Sabbath day to them as a blessing uh, that, that was beneficial for them. 
that would help them to, after a week of work, a time of resting, a time that their bodies could be refreshed, a time that they could clear their minds and focus on the things of God. However, what we will come to find out and what we'll see in a little bit is that a lot of times when man puts his religious ideas into God's formulas, what we do in religious world, Christianity, is we take what God gave as a blessing and we turn it into a burden. And we take something that God intended to be light and we make it heavy on people. Uh, So God gave them this law that was to be a blessing for them. Uh, And not only the Sabbath day, which would be the seventh day of the week, but also uh, there were many feast days uh, the the Jews celebrated. uh, And there would be many other days that would be Sabbaths. Uh, The word Sabbath comes from the root word that means rested. Uh, So Sabbath means rest. Uh, So there were many other Sabbaths, the beginning of a feast uh, uh, celebration, the end of a feast celebration, uh, multiple Sabbaths. There was uh, somewhere around 64, 65 Sabbaths in a year. Uh, So along with just the one day of the week, there were many other times that they would set apart for uh, a holy convocation or or just to do no work to celebrate Passover or tabernacles or something like that. So you see the Sabbath was more than just one day of the week. It was this idea uh, of resting and setting apart for the Lord, which brings us to the next principle and purpose is the principle of it uh, and the purpose of the Sabbath was... Rest from labors and worship from the Lord. Rest from labors and worship uh, to the Lord. Um, so what I like to do in Scripture uh, to you know, look at, I like to draw out what is the principle. What is the principle? Uh, and then we take God's principles and apply them in, in our setting. So as we mentioned, the Sabbath was given simply as a benefit for the people. Uh, and rest for the people. Then we come into the New Testament, and this is when things start, the, the waters start to get a little muddy uh, when we come to the New Testament. And if you were to ask people today uh, in, in, in a Christian setting, if you would ask them in a Jewish setting, there would be no argument when you ask them what's the Sabbath. Uh, there's no argument at all. Uh, when you come into a Christian setting, that's when the waters get, get muddy. Uh, so if you go into a Christian setting and say, what is the Sabbath? You would get an array of uh, of answers. Uh, there would just be this broad spectrum of what is the Sabbath? What does it mean? Uh, do, do we as Gentile Christians keep the Sabbath day in the same way that the Jews did as God gave them the law or not or what? So the next slide that we look at is the main views, the three main views of the Sabbath day. The first view is the Sabbath still stands and it is still on the seventh day of the week. Uh, I have one of my best friends in the world. Uh, he lives in Florida. We grew up together, got in a lot of trouble together, served the Lord together, a lot, lot of stuff. Uh, he's a Seventh-day Adventist. He loves Jesus with all his heart. We minister together. He, he sings. I've preached. Uh, but he's a Seventh-day Adventist, and Seventh-day Adventists believe, I mean, you can tell by their name, Seventh-day uh, Adventist, that they set apart and keep Saturday as a holy day. Uh, same, you know, with, with the Jewish religion still today. So that's one view is that the Sabbath still stands. We're still supposed to keep it, and it's still the seventh day of the week. Uh, the next view, uh, which, was, which is the kind of view I grew up uh, hearing, which was very familiar, I guess, in kind of the context, is that the Sabbath still stands. We're still supposed to keep it, 
but the Sabbath was changed to the first day of the week. So for, I remember me growing up, Sunday was the Sabbath. It was called the Sabbath. Uh, you didn't work on the Sabbath. You didn't do anything on, on Sunday. In fact, you know, I, I know guys, they, they didn't go out to, to eat, uh, you know, at a restaurant or anything like that because that was the Christian Sabbath. Um, in fact, I had a professor one time, uh, I had a professor one time tell me he did not think NFL players could be saved because they play football on Sunday and they work on Sunday. He literally said that. I do not think they can be saved. And I said, wait a minute, don't you work on Sunday? Ah, gotcha, you heathen. You know, so. <laughs> so, anyway. Sabbath is not a day of rest. Sunday is not a day of rest for, rest for preachers. It's our most hectic day. We're, we're glad to see Sunday over. Um, and, and then the third view uh, which I'll just be straight in front. Of. And, and honestly, and going back to number two, the Sabbath still says it was changed to Sunday. So we hear things like, well, that's the Christian Sabbath or Sunday was cha- or Sabbath was changed to Sunday. Uh, honestly, that's one of those things that if you repeat it enough times, it becomes truth. You just hear it and, and it's repeated and repeated and repeated, repeated. And after 50 years of being repeated, it, it becomes truth. Um, not necessarily based in good biblical exegesis, but just based in that's, what's said. So that's kind of what I grew up with. Uh, but I'm more interested in what the Bible says and exegeting scripture and drawing out of scripture what it says and rightly dividing the word of truth, because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth, not wrongly connect the word of truth. Uh, so we want to rightly divide. So what we're going to do today is this is how I study. I go to the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about it? What's the principle of it? And then bring it into the New Testament. What did Jesus say about it? What did Paul say about it? How does that relate back and then come up with with the answer? So uh, the third uh, view of the Sabbath is that the Sabbath of the Old Testament in the law was a type and a shadow of something that was to come. Just like every other feast day, was a type and shadow. Paul says, Christ, who is our Passover. So the, and we're, we're really familiar with that. Uh, you know, the Passover lamb, uh, you know, that, that was killed and the blood that was put over the doorpost. We'll say, well, well, that was a picture of Jesus that was to come. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was a picture of Jesus. Uh, on, on the day that the, the, that Moses gave the law or that God gave, that Moses brought the law down from the mountain. Uh, it, it was the 50th day after Passover, after they left Egypt. Uh, and that's when the law was given and, and 3,000 people were killed. And then we look at in Acts chapter two and Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, and that's when the Spirit was given, and 3,000 people were born again. So we say, ah, so, uh, uh, so Pentecost uh, was a picture, a foreshadowing of what God was going to do by sending the, the law that was written on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So we look at all those as types and shadows, uh, but for some reason, the Sabbath never got to that point. We, we, we never looked at the Sabbath uh, or the Sabbath days or the feast day or uh, Sabbath connected with feast days as uh, a type and shadow. Uh, So the Sabbath as a type and shadow was fulfilled in Christ. Therefore, uh, we are not obligated uh, to keep any certain day of the week. So we're going to look at some scriptures to see if there's actual scriptures uh, for that. Um, Worshiping on on Sunday. Let me me just mention this because this is just interesting. Um, I, I, I did hear growing up that, you know, Saturday is the Sabbath, but then Sunday is the Lord's Day, and we're supposed to worship on Sunday. Well, there's no command in Scripture uh, of Sunday worship. Now, we have accounts that the early church 
at least in some instances, gathered on Sunday, on the first day of the week. However, we also have instances that they gathered every day of the week in houses and in homes. Of course, they didn't have church buildings back then, so they all gathered in houses. But the Scripture says in Acts 2 that they went from house to house every day breaking bread and offering prayers. Uh, We do find in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, the Scripture says this. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. So people say, well, see, the church gathered for worship on the first day of the week. Well, yes, Acts twenty seventeen does say they gathered on the first day of the week. Uh, however, number one, that was not given as a command. It was given as a statement. And number two, if that is a command, then we're supposed to eat every Sunday because they broke bread, and I'm supposed to preach till midnight. I'm good with that. Just take a couple hour break to check on the game, but uh, so. But 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 you can see how the what Bible records is a statement of fact of something they did. Somehow we turn that into a command that is supposed to be uh, kept. Uh, then another scripture that talks about the meeting on the first day of the week is in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses one through three. Uh, and this is what Paul told the Corinthian church. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. What Paul is doing here is Paul is coming to them to receive an offering, to receive a collection to take it back uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, So he's gathering up this special offering that the churches in Galatia and the Corinthian churches uh, were taking up. So here's what Paul tells them to do to make it a little easier on himself. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of, e- of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and to send them with your gift, with your collection, with your offering to Jerusalem. Uh, so they gather on the first day of the week for the purpose of, or, or they set aside their, their collection on the first day of the week to save up. So when Paul comes, he says, we won't have to, uh, no collections will have to be made uh, when I come. So again, another statement of fact, something that Paul was doing. Well, let's look into some more scriptures. First of all, in Mark chapter 2, in Mark chapter 2, and Thomas, I don't know if you can throw that on the screen. I didn't give that to you, but uh, Mark chapter 2, let's see what Jesus said about the Sabbath. Jesus makes two profound statements uh, about the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2. Because what Jesus is doing here is he's dealing with some, some people that we mentioned earlier. That this group of religious, ultra-religious Jews had taken the Sabbath, something God meant as a, what I say? God meant as a blessing. And the Pharisees turned it into a burden. For what they did, they took God's principle, and then they added their own interpretation, and they added all their laws to it uh, that was really just ridiculous. Uh, so Jesus comes to them, and what they always tried to catch Jesus doing something. They always tried to catch Jesus. They always tried to trip him up. They would always ask him questions, thinking he would stumble over his words. So uh, Jesus and his disciples were uh, gathering uh, food and things on the Sabbath day. Jesus healed uh, on the Sabbath day. Uh, So we're going to see two statements that Jesus makes here in Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. 
He says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You're doing something that is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And also he gave some of his companions. And he said to them, and here's the statements that Jesus makes. He makes two statements. Number one, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't given to lord over men. It was given as a benefit and a blessing to benefit man, not man to benefit the Sabbath. And then he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying that that I am greater than your burden that you're trying to put on people. That the Son of Man supersedes these things that you are trying to burden us down, these laws you're trying to burden us down with. So those two statements Jesus makes, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the first thing we see from the New Testament is these two statements by Jesus. The second thing we see is that under the New Covenant, Sabbath rest, we talked about it being a type and shadow, Sabbath rest is a spiritual principle. Sabbath rest is a spiritual principle. A spiritual principle. Let's look together in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews 3 and 4, the author of Hebrews um, is developing this concept of Sabbath rest and resting in God's rest, and resting as God rested. And he does it through Christ. It reveals how a relationship with Christ frees people from the works of the law and allows a person to rest in the work of Christ. See, either you're going to work or you're going to let Jesus work for you. Either you're going to sweat in your labor or you're going to rest in the finished work of Jesus. You're going to be like the Pharisees, tirelessly and ending going on the circle of performance, trying to please God, or you're going to rest in the one who by his sacrifice on the cross has already pleased God. So the writer here is looking back to the people that Moses led out of Egypt. And if you remember the story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And they wandered for 40 years because of their unbelief. They they didn't believe God. They murmured and complained. They rejected what God was trying to do. So a whole generation of people died out in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb, even, even, even Moses died out in the in the wilderness. And then Joshua and Caleb led the next generation, those under 20, into the promised land. So he's talking about 
that God had a promise laid up for them. God had a promise laid up for them, and it was a promise of rest. However, he says, there were those that because of their rebellion and because of their unbelief, they did not enter into God's blessing. They did not enter into God's rest. They missed out on the promise through their unbelief. So Paul is saying, or or the writer of Hebrews is saying here, that there is still a rest that you can enter into as the people of God. So don't be like those in the wilderness that hardened their hearts and gave in to unbelief. But through your faith, you believe and enter into God's rest. So that's kind of what he's talking about. So in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what the scripture says. Therefore, since the promise, somebody say promise. I like that word promise. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, those back in the wilderness. But the message they heard was of no value with them because they did not share the faith of those to obey. They did not mix the word they heard. They did not mix the promise with faith. A promise can be there, but if you don't receive it by faith, I can can write a million-dollar check and hold it out here, but if no one comes up and receives it, that's not going to do you any good. So God had the promise, but because of their unbelief, they did not receive the promise. They did not mix it with faith. He says, now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God had said, so and he's quoting the Old Testament, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That's what he said to them. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. They tried to make their own way instead of providing the way God had made from the foundation of the world. Verse 4, For somewhere he had spoken about the seventh day in these words. I love how the writer writes that. For somewhere he had spoken about the seventh day. That would be Genesis chapter 2. You would think if you write the Bible, you you would know where Genesis is. For somewhere he had spoken about the seventh day in these words. These are the same words that were quoted in Exodus as it related the Sabbath day to the creation day. The seventh day on creation. These are the same words that the writer in Hebrews is writing now about a spiritual rest that we can enter into. He says, for somewhere it was spoken about on the seventh day these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above... He says, they shall never enter into my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news preached unto them did not go in because of their their disobedience, God again said a certain day. Notice a certain day. But notice what day the certain day is. Calling it today. God's always the God of the now. God's a God of the now. So he set a certain day. But now he's calling that day today. And tomorrow, guess what that day will be called? Today. And the next day, that day will be called today. And the next day, that day will be called today. 
As in the passage you already quoted, today, if you will hear his voice, you don't harden your hearts. That's what he said to them. He said, today is the certain day that if you hear my voice, open up your hearts, receive by faith, you will enter into my Sabbath. You will enter into my rest. You will enter into my works that have already been finished. So now he says the certain day is today. And today you can take part in Sabbath by not hardening your hearts and open up your heart to the one who said it is finished. Today is the certain day. If you're not hard, what's the next verse I've I'm getting my screen, and there it is. For if Joshua, the one that brought them into the promised land, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. So if you enter into God's rest on a certain day called today, Anyone who enters God's rest has ceased from their works, just as God did from his. He says, therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience by unbelief. So the writer of Hebrews paints the Sabbath rest and connects it with Genesis 2 of a rest that we enter into in a spiritual way. So we find that really Sabbath or rest does not talk to us today as a legalistic work or a law, but something that frees us from legalistic works of the law and brings us into relationship with the Spirit that settles our hearts. The Sabbath day was originally instituted to give man rest from his labors, So now we are provided a spiritual rest from laboring to achieve our own salvation by our own works and by the works of the law. Because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, we can now and forever cease laboring to attain God's favor and rest in his mercy and grace, which he freely gives. That's a powerful word. That's the word of the person that has tried everything, but still fails. The person that says, I've done everything I can to get my life right, and I still mess up every moment. The person that says, I'm getting ready to give up because I feel I'm not good enough. Someone says, I I feel like I, I do one good thing, and then I do two bad things, and we're always judging ourselves by our own failures or our own successes. So, so here's what performance religion does. If you keep it and you do good, then you puff yourself up and look down on somebody else that's not doing what you're doing. That's called pride. And then if you try to do it and you mess up, then you feel like a failure and you fall into condemnation. So the only way to not fall into the trap of pride or into the pit of condemnation is to take yourself out of the picture and boast only in Christ. And boast only in his work. And rest from your labors. Rest from striving. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. 
So number three, finally, the Sabbath is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. We find our rest in him. Colossians chapter 2, listen to listen what Colossians chapter 2 says. This is Paul writing to the church at Colossae. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow. I talk about the types and shadows. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. Paul writes in the book of Romans about people that have different convictions. Now, if somebody has a specific conviction toward the Lord and they live for the Lord and they do that for the Lord, that's, the Scripture says, hey, that's great. Listen to what Romans uh, chapter 14 says. He says, one man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That means you have your own convictions. I have my own convictions. And here's the awesome thing. You're living your convictions out in your faith before the Lord. And you know what what Romans 14 says? The Lord accepts that. I live my convictions out before the Lord, and what I do, I do for the Lord just by what you do. You do for the Lord. We're both doing it for the Lord. We might just do it differently. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says he accepts your convictions as well. It says, have your own faith before the Lord. So he who regards one day as special does so unto the Lord. The other who regards every day the same, he does so unto the Lord. So the scripture says, so for, before his own master, he stands and falls. That whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. Do it for the glory of the of the Lord. Galatians chapter 3 says, Therefore the law has become a tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. But you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ is our Sabbath rest. The day, the certain day, is the day of today. The day of today, if you will open up your heart to the Lord, Today, if you will receive God's grace that he's abundantly pouring upon you, today you can enter into his rest where serving God will not be a burden anymore. Serving God will be a joy. That's what Sabbath is all about. Resting, worshiping, enjoying the creation God has given you. You know what? What was God doing on the Sabbath? I think God was enjoying his creation. Enjoying his creation. He says, very good. So today, that day, this day, is a day of rest for you. So as as our worship team comes back up, how can we apply these truths to our lives? Three ways. Number one, number one, you're not limited to one day a week to worship or serve the Lord. That's what I love about grace. Before you had one day a week, you had to come and worship the Lord. Now, you're not limited to one day a week. You can worship the Lord every day. You can serve the Lord every day. Every day. Every day is the Lord's day.
Every day is a day of resting in Him. Number two, we can practice a spiritual Sabbath by focusing our minds on what Christ has done for us and resting in Him. Now, resting in the Lord doesn't mean inactivity for the kingdom. There's still a lot to do for the kingdom. But as far as you and God's concerned, the Scripture says now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To wake up every day and know I have peace with God. Peace. God's not angry. God's not judging me. God's not pushing me down. I have peace with God. If God was at war with you, that wouldn't be peace. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's not angry. God's not out to zap you with a lightning bolt. God's not at war with you. God's not destroying you. God's a faithful father. That you have peace with every day that you open your eyes and every night that you close them. Your heart can be at rest knowing you have peace with God. Come unto me. Set your mind on the things of Christ. And then finally, and I I, I threw this in there. There is no harm in having and practicing a physical Sabbath rest. In fact, I think it would be good. Wouldn't it be good if we had one day that we could rest and enjoy our families and enjoy the blessing? We go and go and go and go and go and go and go. So there's no harm in setting aside a day to rest your body. Some of us need it. Some of us have been going and going and going. My problem a lot of times is not resting my body, it's resting my mind. (laughs) You can lay your body down, but shutting your mind off is another thing. We'll talk about that at another point. Give a rest for your mind. How many of you have done that? You lay down, but your mind kept going until 2 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> Absolutely. The Lord is the Lord over the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was made for man. So through the peace of God, your mind can have rest and refresh when you set it on the things of the Lord. God's given an invitation. Maybe you were like, Chris gave his testimony. Maybe you're like me and many others in this place. You got tired of sin. That beat you down. And then you tried to make up for all the sin that you did by trying to do good. And you just went on this everlasting wheel of trying to do good and be good, do good and not do good and not. Trying to please God, trying to be good enough, trying to be worthy enough. I want to tell you today, as we stand together, come on and stand up. If y'all keep sitting, I'll keep talking till midnight. Come on. Hey, that's biblical. That's biblical. (laughs) Says it right there. Get off the hamster wheel of performance-based religion. Rest in the one that gave his life for you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let your minds come into peace. Let your hearts be settled. Let God restore you. Let him restore your heart from the brokenness that you've experienced. Let him mend your wounds this morning. Rest in his presence today. He wants to bind up what is broken in your life. Last week we talked about God takes the chaos of our life and can order it and bring something beautiful out of it. I used to think I had to get everything right before I came to God. That 
I heard preach say, well, God doesn't want your mess. And I come to find out God wants your mess. He wants you messing all. Bring him the chaos of your life. Bring him your failures. Bring him your broken dreams. Bring him your unanswered prayers. Bring him your broken heart. God wants it all. Bring it to him. And let him mend you and let him restore you. Let him revive you. Let him put the broken pieces of your life back together. Let him give you rest. Today is the certain day. Today is the Lord's day. Today is the day of God's rest. Today is the day of salvation. Bring him your broken heart. Bring him you. That's all he wants. He wants you. Bring him your worries. Bring him your fears. Bring it to him. And let the healing power of God's grace wash over your life and lift you up in victory this morning. If you need to come and spend time at this altar, you can come and kneel and pray before the Lord. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be happy to pray with you. If you have any questions, you can come see me. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the voice you need to listen to. Listen to the Spirit's voice on the inside, calling your name as we worship this morning.